Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Hello, hello, crew. What is up? How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, man. Excited to be here. And um, yeah, like we were saying, you know, crypto never sleeps. So there's there's always stuff to talk about. Yeah, no, 100%. Crypto never sleeps. And even even in the, the week that, you know, the price action has been pretty pretty level, you know, pretty consolidated. There hasn't been, you know, too much news coming out. Um, there's definitely a lot of, you know, a lot of exciting things happening in the space. You know, if, there, if there's no like shiny, flashy things like NFTs or things like that, still a lot of great things to talk about this week. So I'm excited about it, man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, um, it's when price action is going sideways, you know, I mean, we've actually, we're down 7% from this exact same time last week. Um, but you know, if if you're sweating seven to ten percent, and you're a longtime holder, like you're you're looking at the charts too much. You know, <laughs> like you need to kind of zoom out a little bit and see that see what we're actually dealing with here. But yeah, when you dive into the fundamentals and the uh, the actual blockchain developments, the technology side of things, there's no one no one could not be bullish about where we're headed. It's really just the the short term market speculation and sentiments. These are the things that everybody that's you know, daily in crypto get all themselves all hot and bothered about. But really, if, if you just zoom out and see where we're going, the trajectory is is up and to the right, you know, a 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 1000%. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely been a couple of things I, I want to start off with, you know, one of the big ones, uh, I know we were talking about before this call with Celsius, you have to be an accredited investor now in order to get, uh, you know, returns. What, what do you think about that? Why, why do you think they did that? And um, what do you think is coming with that, with DeFi? Yeah, you know, I get pretty heated up about that because it's like, you know, so the SEC comes in and it's not just Celsius, uh, uh, Nexo, and there's there's going to be, or I know uh, BlockFi, same thing. If you're a U.S. resident, you can no longer earn yield off what you're holding starting today. So uh, an important distinction there is that if you have already have a Celsius wallet and you, you're holding there, hold it because you're grandfathered in. You're going to continue to earn off what you're currently holding. So that's a that's a positive. But it's just it's just so frustrating because basically the the parameters are that unless you're a credit investor, you can't earn yield. So unless you're already a millionaire making two hundred thousand dollars a year, you can't make money. You know, like it just it seems so backwards to me. Um, yep. apparently they're protecting people, right? They're protecting the investors, which I guess on some level, if you have to look at like a really high level perspective and yeah, you don't need a bunch of people losing their entire life's worth if something did happen in the market and they're not sophisticated enough. So, I mean, I understand the premise of the SEC and what they're doing. It's just frustrating though, you know, because yeah. there's so many well-meaning people that are smart enough to handle their own money 
and you know could really benefit from making at least seven to nine percent off a stable coin or or any of their crypto in, in Celsius. Um, at least you're you're tracking or trying to keep up with inflation, right? So yeah. that that was why we have it in our crypto portfolio launchpad. Is at least it's it's an option to park some money, you know. But I mean, there's others that have even better returns. It's just now not quite as simple. So yeah, for US residents, it just means that you have to be that much more um, on top of things. And that's specifically what we do in our program, obviously. So I'm not worried about from, from that perspective. It's just kind of frustrating to see that these types of things coming in. However, to wrap all that up, yeah, I think we're going to see more of it though, too. You know, regulation is going to be the the name of the game as we go more and more not, uh, mainstream. So it's it's going to be a thing that we're just going to have to roll with the punches. Actually, on that, kind of a cool little way to wrap into a different topic was the fact that I saw... Um, so USDC, the stable coin issuer is Circle uh, or Center rather. And um, they're founded by a consortium of people from um, Coinbase and Circle. So they, so Circle and Coinbase come together, create Center, and Center is the issuer of the USDC stable coin. Well, they've just hired two executives to oversee regulation operations. So, and one of those people is a former, um, uh, I'm just looking through my notes here. Yeah, former regulator with the US Security Exchange Commission, the SEC. And um, she's joining as chief policy and regulatory officer. So that's really interesting. And then Daniel, Daniel, no, I'm sorry, Danielle Harold is coming on um, as a CEO for the group as well. And she used to work for uh, the DM Association, which was a group that was working on on another cryptocurrency uh, a while back. So pretty big people involved. You know, when you see someone like um, Sinner bring these people in, they see what's coming. You know, they, they know that they're going to have to play the game. So having somebody literally who's used to be in the SEC on staff here is a really good thing for everybody in crypto. Because USDC, that's like a fundamental aspect of, of our exchanging, right? Yep. You, yeah. you need those stable coins. So um, that's that's a big one in my mind. And I'm I'm optimistic if people continue to do that, you know, bring in people from the, you know, the system, if you will, I think that's a good move because then it gives you kind of a, just that much more credibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they know the rules, you know, they, they've seen the SEC side and now they're kind of on the crypto side. I think that's what we need. You know, people who understand both sides in order to, you know, kind of address the language barrier that's happening right now. Um, there's a lot of the SEC doesn't understand. And um, that's why they're talking about bringing the CFTC to the Commodities Futures Trading Commission to also oversee crypto. You know, I think it's kind of an all person play. I think the SEC has dipped their hand first, but we definitely need more regulatory players. And that's what people like the U.S. Treasury, the IMF, you know, everyone is calling for the Bank of International Settlements everyone's talking about crypto regulation. And so I think it's definitely a positive thing. It's something that we've needed for a while. Um, you know, how you define investor production, you know, I, I agree with you that, um, you know, I think people can handle their money that aren't accredited investors, you know, but at least in the short term, um, it'll bring real institutional players in. And, um, you know, I think we'll see that kind of uh, trickle down to the regular retail investor, you know, down the road. 
But I'm curious um, to go back on the Celsius thing. You said it's more simple on the Celsius side. Is that just more for a user experience? Like what's the difference between Celsius and a lot of other DeFi projects right now? Right, yeah. So Celsius being a centralized exchange, um, the reason I, I like them and would always just refer friends and family to them is because it's so, the user experience is very similar to almost any other traditional banking app. You know, um, you could just connect, you know, create an account within minutes, uh, connect your bank, upload some fiat, and then switch out that fiat for some crypto and then just sit on it and hold it. You know, you, you didn't have to do anything, which is nice. Um, so it just made it really easy to be able to earn. Yeah, I think some of the rates were, you know, five five percent on bitcoin and ethereum to upwards of nine to twelve percent on some others so it just made it really simple for someone to get their hands on crypto and feel like they've got a you know a piece in the game but without having to do quite as much heavy lifting jumping through you know setting up a, a metamask wallet for example going and finding you know a deck somewhere and, and this and that you know it just makes it that much easier but um, yeah, still a good platform. I, I really like Celsius, uh, lending, um, component. If that's something you've ever looked at, you know, where you can collateralize your crypto that you are holding and create yourself a loan, basically. So it's kind of a cool thing where the, they are a centralized exchange. I mean, if you want to go talk to somebody, you literally just, you know, you can call them and, t you know, pick up the phone and talk to somebody, which is nice. So you have the benefits of a centralized exchange, but, um, the DeFi element, is that you can literally um, create a loan off of your crypto holdings, which is nice because it means you can, you know, if you need some money for something, you can go and get that money, but without having to go stand in line at the bank and do a bunch of paperwork. I mean, you know what that's like, like to go get a loan from a bank is like pulling teeth, you know, it's, it's awful to have yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, so if you can do that for yourself when you want and collateralize your crypto, but without having to sell it, that's the big thing. Remember, every time you sell crypto, that's a taxable event. And so not only can you continue to hold your crypto that you, you know, obviously theoretically believe is going to continue to go up in value, but you can get your short term money for whatever, you know, whether it be to leverage and go and take that money back in the market, which is what I've done, or, um, you know, go on vacation and you know, take your family out or whatever, you know, I mean, you can do whatever, but you don't have to sell your crypto, create a taxable event, and you're not getting rid of your crypto. So it's, it's the future, you know, um, I think uh, DeFi in general is something I'm just super excited about. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, yeah, DeFi, I think, seeing how Celsius works right now, you know, like you said, it's a really easy platform. And you said it's kind of touched into Nexo too, right, which I know is another DeFi platform where you can do collateralized loans. Is that regulation applied to Nexo and Celsius? You have to be an accredited investor to... Okay. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, at least in the US. I, I do know some friends, though, that are using both platforms outside the US and um, they don't have an issue. And I mean, depending on how you, know, you want to go, there are ways where you can use a VPN to mask your IP address, but you still need a physical address and proof of residency somewhere else. So if you have family in Europe, for example, or some somewhere crypto friendly like Germany, then um, you could technically create accounts that way. I know there's people doing that too. Yeah. Um, but you have to be ex extremely careful. And that is definitely not financial advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think 
the U.S. is is got to realize that the more sanctions that they put on crypto, the more regulations and things like that they put onto crypto, the the more innovation is going to kind of go offshore, like you're saying. So in order to stay competitive and this decentralized space, they're trying to centralize it and say that we're the, you know, leading authority and all this stuff because we have the most money or whatever. But, you know, I think that that's the whole point of decentralization. And, you know, the US could be um, really hurting here and they might be backpedaling because the dollar is losing its, you know, its strength. Um, and, you know, they're trying to, you know, uh, back, you know, I guess, save themselves from the inflation that's happening, you know. Uh, so yeah, dude, I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out, but, um, definitely some interesting stuff. Uh, there's another headline here with MasterCard, um, which is interesting with, you know, this is in the same week that happened with Nexo, but it's the world's first crypto backed payment card, uh, launched by Nexo and MasterCard. So that's, that's pretty interesting. That happened this week. Um, so definitely innovation happening in that space. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, bringing crypto to the traditional financial markets, um, via, cards uh you know debit cards credit cards um traditional banking that that's the future for sure um i do know like for example uh ust the stable point of the terra um luna's you know ecosystem if you will they have a card that they're working on and ust is sponsoring a baseball team. I can't remember. I don't follow baseball too closely, but it's um, a team obviously here in the States. I think it's in Washington where you will actually be able to buy, you know, hot dogs, t-shirts, whatever, using UST, the stable coin. Oh, so wow. more and more of these types of things are going to happen really, really quickly to where people... And I think that's... Honestly, I think stable coins as a narrative, you know, when we talk about what are trending narratives and where to invest in this and that... Um, just stable coins alone, I think, are, is a huge narrative going forward because that's what's going to allow the general populace to use crypto. They don't they don't want to hold something that's worth a dollar today and then fifty cents tomorrow and then thirteen cents the next day, but then ninety five cents. You know, it's just so volatile. It's hard to you know for a lot of people to do that, which I understand, right? Like, it's not very fun to look at your wallet and have the numbers you know going up and down on you if it's something that you're you go to the grocery store and by the time you're done shopping your wallet's less like that's not going to work you know so from a, a usability standpoint like real life utility stable coins <clears throat> are definitely going to become the future granted the central banking digital coin you know uh ebcds are dcs are gonna be the way forward because the central banking system is definitely not going to lose its grip on what they've created for themselves. Yeah. Uh, 100%. That's going to be a gnarly topic though. <laughs> the centralized yeah. banking digital coins is something that, man, that we're, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of like how it's going to happen. That's going to be really interesting. Yeah. You know, and I think there's, and we've talked about that a lot, even on these market recaps, you know, central bank digital currencies and, you know, how are they going to coexist with cryptocurrencies? And, you know, central bank digital currencies, you know, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury came out a couple of weeks ago and said that they can coexist. Stable mm -hmm. coins like USDC, UST, um, you know, Terra's, um, Tether, things like that, all these stable coins that are out there that are one to one with the dollar, they can coexist with a digital dollar or a central bank sovereign digital currency. You know, I don't, I don't think that's, that's ever going to like go away. Um, 
But I think there needs to be some type of protocol layer that, you know, kind of interconnects it all, right? Um, kind of like the plumbing for the payment system. Right mm-hmm. now, Swift handles, you know, they take three to five business days to settle. It's like 10% fees for, for Swift. And that's mostly between countries, right? If you were to send, you know, a dollar to a yen or something, that's handled through Swift. It's extremely expensive and slow. But, you know, there's got to be some type of system that, you know, they're working on. I know the Bank of International Settlements just came out with that thing a couple months ago about their platform, Project Dunbar. So, you know, there's there's definitely stuff coming, you know, where I don't think it's as much of the volatility. Like people are saying Bitcoin is going to be, you know, the the way, right? But the central banks aren't necessarily working with Bitcoin and Squawk Box just put out some CNBC, Squawk Box just put out something um, last week where they went to... Um, uh, El Salvador, where Bitcoin is completely integrated. I don't know if you I saw, saw that. that. I but watched it. Didn't it. Work. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It like it didn't work. Like you know, no one was able to use it for payments. Like it didn't. You know, they had they got double charged, which Bitcoin is supposed to solve the double spend problem. But it's the protocol layer that sits on top of Bitcoin that's supposed to integrate it like Web two to Web three, and it's just not working even with the Lightning Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, where there's a, a volatile asset like like Bitcoin, where it goes up and down, like you said, and you have this other side that's like the one to one stable coins where it's one to one with the dollar is supposed to be super stable. I think there's a there's a third category that people need to start looking at. And it's the um, the time to settlement, because it doesn't matter how volatile it is. If it settles like that, you know, the the volatility doesn't matter. It's It's the time to settlement that kind of solves that that volatility problem. Because if you can solve something, you know, if you can solve a transaction within three to five seconds, then, you know, the volatility risk goes away. And so I I think, you know, there's definitely a system that's coming, you know, with the Fed now, they're talking about instant payments 24-7. You know, there's definitely a protocol layer coming where instant payments are definitely in high demand. And, um, and yeah, we'll see it kind of work with central bank digital currencies, stable coins, it's, it's all going to be interoperable with each other rather than relying on the US dollar as maybe the, the world reserve currency. Yeah, agreed, man. I know that the level of complexity that we're looking at is monumental, right? So we have anybody who's involved right now, like I actually have a chart that will be included in um, this week's newsletter to our students inside of the crypto portfolio launchpad. Um, and it shows the Bitcoin um, market market cap versus other market caps. And it's interesting when you see it in graphical form, right? Like Bitcoin's like this little tiny dot, right? Like this tiny, tiny dot. And then it gets bigger with gold, slightly bigger with the stock market, global stock market, you know, global money supply, it just keeps going up and up and up. And you realize, as cliche as it is to say, we are so early, like we're in the, you know, complete dark ages compared to 10, 20 years from now, when we look back, we'll be like, Oh, my gosh, what were we doing? Right? So um, the level of transparency and accessibility that we have because of the internet, because of the technology that we do have, is makes it um, I think it democratizes the opportunity, though, it gives so many more people the opportunity to take advantage of where we are and the fact that we are early versus back in like, say, you know, the development of the internet. Well, how would you have known to be in part of that? You know, what communications could you possibly have that would have clued you in? There wasn't social media. There wasn't, um, you know, anything really other than if you were deep into, 
you know, com computational, you know, algorithms and different like forms of, you know, computer development, software development, you would not have known about what could be coming in the internet and position yourself accordingly, right? So the yeah. opportunity that people have by getting the exposure that we, you know, because of the internet, we're running on the rails of the internet, essentially. Um, it's just a, a huge opportunity, you know, but when you look at it every day, it feels slow and arduous. And you're like, oh God, you know, but the reality is we, we're just so, so early. This thing has got a long way to go. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of challenges along the way. Um, I expect some boom and busts for sure. Yep. But the people that zoom out and just look at the long, long curve, you know, I watched a, um, a really interesting kind of replay chart of Amazon as it went through the dot-com bust. And how everything just fell off. And you look at this massive, you know, dot com peaking, it's just ultra hot market, and then everything just plummets, and you go, Oh my God, the world's over, you know. But then it shows it slowly over time getting back up. It took like 10 years or something, like a long time. But then when you zoom out and you look at the historical from beginning to end of where we are right now, you realize that that death crash that happened was this tiny little spec like you barely even saw it on the chart anymore you know and i think that's what we need to remember too that like i said earlier these 10 percent, 20 even 30 or 40 percent dips are going to become like you'll forget about it it won't even be something that you'll really remember um yep. you know 10 years from now type stuff so people just have to be patient and that's hard when you're into it especially if you're into it every day and you're working on it on some level uh, whether yep. as an investor or you're actually a developer or whatever um it's hard to remember that you know, this is a long play game for sure. Yeah, there's there's lots of exciting things happening. You know, um, even if there is a, a big regulatory, you know, move where crypto does, you know, model the dot com bust. I think that we live in a world today where this is the internet of value. You know, so because we have the internet, things move quicker than they ever have before. If you look at the adoption of like the telephone, the car, the refrigerator, those things took way longer than the internet took to get to mass adoption. And so I think crypto will be, you know, like 50% of the time to the adoption the internet took, you know, if and that's like the max. So I think it's definitely going to be an exciting decade. You know, and the best strategy is literally just to buy and hold you know, um, day traders, swing traders, you know, that's a whole different ball game. But if, if you know what you have and you know the price is going to go higher than it is today, then yeah, the def definite best strategy is just to buy and hold. And, you know, if you are listening to this, you know, congratulations, because we are really early in this stuff. And yeah. it may not take, you know, really early doesn't mean that it's going to take 10 years from now to play out. You know, really early could still be five years and you're still ahead of the ball game. You know, five years from now, you could be a millionaire with a thousand dollar investment, not financial advice, you know, but it's just we're still in that in that early stages where you can definitely capitalize. So if you're listening to this and you resonate and, you know, you kind of are watching the crypto markets and looking at the integrations between Web 2 and Web 3 and see companies like BlackRock and Fidelity and, you know, how Circle is coming in with that new center project and how stable coins are revolutionizing the world. I mean, there's so many exciting things happening with the world financial leaders today that we could only have dreamt about, you know, five years ago in, in Bitcoin and so or cryptocurrency in general. So um, definitely early, definitely a bright future ahead, even though there's not many things happening. Um, you know, like Ethereum 2.0, it got pushed back to quarter three, you know, things like that. You read that and you're just like, man, like as a crypto investor, because you and I are in this every day, you know, yeah, we're like, yeah. man, like that's, you know, it feels like it's a little slow and it might be a, a sideways trading summer, 
you know, versus like a bull market, like we were all hoping, you know, it might trade sideways for a little bit, we might dip 20% over the next couple of months. But you know, in the long term, definitely hockey stick up coming for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I totally agree with that. Awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, I think that that just about wraps it up for um, crypto. Did you have any other um, headlines you wanted to, to discuss today? Um, no, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, there's so many, right? Um, but I would just say to one of the things that I'll be sharing with our group later today in the in the student call is the uh, strategies for going through this type of market. And, um, you know, and when I say this type of market, I mean, kind of just choppy and sideways, nothing too, from a price perspective, nothing too, you know, exciting necessarily. Um, but honestly, these are the best times to get yourself educated and just dollar cost average in, Amen. you know, it's boring, right? Like success and financial wealth, a lot of times is boring. And, and that's what I think people need to remember is that wealth is made during the bear and the down markets, not in the, when we're just going up in green, right? Like that, that's, those are the, the short periods of time when you need to act really quick and you need to do it you know, in a really strategic way, but it's, it's all these kind of quiet times that the true players, the, the people that are going to make the most money, this is when the work gets done. So I'd actually take advantage of the market being quiet right now, do more research, figure out ways to make alternative money so that you can have some extra liquidity to bring in and buy on, on these little dips along the way. So, so that you can really maximize gains once things turn up again, which they inevitably will, right? It's, it's cyclical. So it's just a matter of when, but yeah, I would just encourage people to um, actually look at these types of kind of boring times um, as the best time, the most advantageous time. 100%. Oh, that's, that's a great piece of advice. And, you know, just to kind of relate that, I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs that watch this show too. Um, you know, you're, you, if you want to succeed in business, you have to be, be willing to do what most people aren't willing to do. That's how you win. You just go against the masses, you know, and I think... A lot of uh, people are looking at the sideways trading. And just like you said, it's boring. So they go do other stuff. They leave the market when there are still exciting news coming out. Although it doesn't get it reflected in the price, that's just because most people don't realize it. It's because it's, it's boring news. I mean, you know, when big companies come in like BlackRock and Fidelity, that's stuff that, you know, accredited investors and, you know, big people talk about, but they're, they're already deep in the game. They're, they are dollar cost averaging, right? And so it's not going to move the price up because everyone's dollar cost averaging. Everyone's putting in small amounts at this time. And eventually that compounds. So I think, you know, you got to be willing to do what most people aren't willing to do, you know, continue to dollar cost average and and you'll win in the long run for sure. This is the time to buy. You buy red candles and you buy sideways candles. But if you're getting in when you're buying green candles, you definitely don't get as many gains. So definitely yeah. a good time to get in. Good piece uh, of advice. Sure. Sir. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, excited to be here with you and um, more more things ahead. Like I said, crypto doesn't sleep. So we'll, we'll have more to talk about next week for sure. 100%, man. Awesome. We'll appreciate you, Mike. We'll talk soon, brother. All right, buddy. Take care. See ya.